This is a production of KMmedia.pro. Welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So come on over into our world. I know you'll like it, because on today's show, you're not going to believe the two ladies that we have for today's show. And I hope that you'll stay for the entire time. I got to tell you, we're going to have a lot of fun with this. They've been on the show before, and they just completed last week uh, this year's version of, I'm going to say it correctly this time, I've been practicing, the Passionistas project uh, yeah, and they do this on an annual basis now and uh it's been a lot of fun but they were they were holding out on us because there are people that they've interviewed on a wide variety of people uh nathan uh first of all welcome nathan it's nice to have you here um pick a pick a uh, um a relatively well-known television celebrity or somebody who's your favorite mm, i've always been a big fan of jim carrey and i didn't i, didn't I know see that's not quite television it's more of movies but yeah. mm, maybe how about let's go with ryan styles for television who the heck is that? He's on <laughs> Whose Line Is It Anyway? <laughs> oh, Ryan. So he actually lives in Mount Vernon now. Did yeah, you know that? he's up in northern Washington. Yes, indeed. Have you ever heard of somebody by the name of, uh, let's see, uh, uh, Carol, 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 Carol Burnett? Burnett? Oh, of course. Have you heard of uh, Danny DeVito? Mm-hmm. Have you heard of, uh, oh, the, I've got a list here, and uh, I'm blanking on it for a second, but but these two women have interviewed all of these people. They are also passionate about women's issues and taking care of women so that women business owners and, and others can reach their highest potential. I'm in, so enthusiastic about these two because uh, they are taking, they've gone above and beyond. They don't need to be doing what they're doing. They could just have done what they were doing before and for like ever, and it would have been great. But they had something in their heart that wanted them to go above and beyond. And uh, Amy Harrington and Nancy Harrington are here, and they are the past passionistas. <laughs> Good Ladies, job. welcome. How are you? Thanks for having us again, Kevin. We're great. We are we are rested after a crazy week last week. <laughs> so tell us tell us about the passion passionistas project this year. How did it go? Um, and was it as successful as you'd hoped? It was fabulous. Um, it went. It was a three day virtual event last week called the Power of Passionistas, and we had um, a film festival, an award ceremony, nine storyteller panels, speed networking. And it was just absolutely phenomenal. We had women from all around the globe attend this event, and we couldn't be happier. It was really great. That is awesome. Now, if you'd like to follow along, you can by going to the passionistasproject.com, and they've got, they've got a tremendous amount of information here for you, as well as 
the podcasts that they've been doing for a long time and all of the things that they've been working on. And it's, it really is phenomenal. And we've been fortunate enough because, um, Selena Luna was here and, and, um, and several others that are working with you. I, we had a great time. I hope they had a good time on the show. Oh, they loved it. They thought you were great and they, they hope they get to talk to you again. <laughs> I hope to get to talk to them too again. And because you guys are, have become my, favorite people that I'm that I'm kind of modeling myself after because you guys have been doing this for well you're you're both in your mid to late 20s and so uh you've Thank been you doing this, you're, <laughs> <laughs> you've been doing this for a little while a little yeah, bit a little bit give or take uh yeah I mean we we are we're happy to say we're in our 50s um <laughs> we've been around the block a bit and uh yeah we you know we started in our other careers in the entertainment industry, but we've been doing the interviewing um, for about uh, 12 or 13 years now, Nan, yeah. and um, and started the Passionistas Project. No, that's actually been going for eight years. Passionistas yeah. Project, we started in 2016. 2016, what? Yeah. <laughs> That'd be, that'd be right. But we've been doing interviews since 2011, 2010. So, so I got to ask you, what is your passion? I mean, I mean, obviously, uh, it's this project, but what led you to it? I mean, you created this quite literally out of thin air. So how did, how did you come up with it? And, and what was your, I can just imagine the two of you sitting around Starbucks going, you know, we should do something exciting and stuff. And, and is that how it came about? That's exactly how it came about. <laughs> I knew it would be simple like that. You were sitting there going, we need to give back. We need to do something for women. And we would really like to do some phenomenal things for our, our, our sisters out there that, that don't have the ability or the understand what their abilities can be. And we need to help guide them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we we did stumble into this world of celebrity interviewing and, you know, you asked what our passions are and our, you know, we're happy to say that our passions have changed through the years. You know, Amy and I have always been passionate about pop culture. I mean, we grew up watching television 24 <laughs> seven, reading books, listening to music, going to theater. You know, we've always loved pop culture and we were so fortunate to be able to turn that into a into careers for both of us and we had fabulous careers and we loved every second of it and then we you know left our left our corporate jobs to work together and that's when we started the pop culture passionistas and that's where we stumbled into this world of celebrity interviewing and that became our passion and we had no idea that we would you know we're two shy little girls from a suburb of boston massachusetts who like hated going to parties and would drop out of classes if we knew we had to do an oral presentation. And here we are making a living talking to people, you know, so we never in a million years thought that would happen. But we always had this little inkling and and it got stronger and stronger in 2016 as the presidential election was happening and as the Me Too movement was heating up. And we just really wanted to use the skills that we had acquired to make more of an impact. And um, and that's when we decided that we wanted to start shining a light on women who are doing wonderful things. And as you said, it's just sort of evolved and grown from that 
little spark of an idea at a Starbucks, literally, to <laughs> a global summit. <laughs> and it's, it's really the, the work that you're doing on behalf of women is, is nothing short of amazing because there's a lot of, in talking with uh, Selena, um, she has been the recipient of some, um, some disability problems and some stuff like that, then she's had to deal with a lot of that. And she's a successful artist at the same time. It's, yeah. And so we've, we've talked to folks like that. I'd like to play a game real quick so that people can get an understanding of who you are and who you've talked to and how broad a, a, a spectrum of people they are. So I'm going to give you a name. Mm-hmm. And then if you can, like, in a sentence or two, give me a sense of who they were or are and the interview that they did with you. Can we do that? Excellent. Yep. Love it. The first, the first one I'd like to do for you is, is somebody who recently passed, and she was almost 100 years old, and her name is Betty White. Mm-hmm. Betty White, we got to do a, a phone interview with a, a group of bloggers, and um, and she was everything that you would want her to be. She was lovely and funny and charming and just exactly the person that we would have expected. Carl Reiner. Well, that one was awesome. That was at um, a television honors event and they were honoring a number of people, including Cloris Leachman and Carl Reiner was there. And we, um, we got to ask him a few questions and at the very end he made a joke. And I remember that we kind of paused to, to like in our heads, there was going to be like an audience laugh track because it was Carl <laughs> Reiner and he was on, you know, I was like, Oh, it's Carl Reiner. I must be on television, watching him on television. And, um, and there was this awkward pause and he was like, is that everything? <laughs> like, yes. Thank you so much, Mr. Reiner. That was horrible. Um, but no, he was great. And it was, you know, sometimes you just get in the presence of these people that you literally have known your entire life. And it's uh, it's mind blowing. And he is definitely in like the top 10 coolest people we ever got to talk to, I think. Speaking of that, you know, we get to see people who are on stage and are on their best behavior and all of that. And I'm we would like to believe that they're all that way. Now, the one person that I think is genuinely that way would be Carol Burnett. Talk about her. Carol Burnett was delightful. That is the absolute perfect word for Carol Burnett. And my favorite thing about Carol Burnett was, you know, we we do a lot of our interviews we do over the phone and especially pre Zoom era. They were literally on the phone. And oftentimes you would get um, most of the time you'd get a press person who, and you'd get their phone number and you'd call and they'd say, hold on one second. We'll get Miss Burnett for you. And they'd connect you and. We um, we interviewed Carol Burnett for a release of a box set of the Carol Burnett show, and we were given a phone number, called this number at this time. So we called the number, and the voice on the other end says, "Hello, this is Carol." <laughs> <laughs> and we, it just blew us away. Like, what celebrity on that level just gives phone gives her phone number and picks up the phone for herself? And she was just so delightful and it, we had chills from head to toe the entire time we talked to her. I also love that we always ask people if you could 
be a pop culture icon or famous person in history and walk in their shoes for one day, who would you choose and why? And she very simply said, I would be Hitler and I would kill myself. <laughs> it was like, oh, well, that's brilliant. <laughs> Didn't expect that from the funniest woman of all time. <laughs> That that is that is so good. That is, that is really funny. Now the next the next one I want to uh, ask you about uh, starred in a show with Carl Reiner, um, and it was um, a show from a long long time ago. And uh, Dick Van Dyke is his name, and uh, he was he was in obviously the Dick Van Dyke show and and um, Mary Poppins and and uh, all sorts of things. And uh, tell us a little bit about Mr. Van Dyke. Well, I have to say, Dick Van Dyke, here we go. We're really getting deep here. Dick Van Dyke was my first childhood celebrity crush. Like, I I just adore Dick Van Dyke. And um, so getting to talk to him, we talked to him on a red carpet for an event. Um, I, it was a Television Academy event. I think it was for Bob Newhart. I think it was the Bob Newhart event, yeah. And um, and he he was just so charming and handsome and and adorable and i don't remember a word that he said because i was in a daze that i was literally talking to dick van dyke and it was it was just absolutely incredible yeah sometimes they are blackout moments because you're like oh my god oh my god oh my god <laughs> so, so this was this was on your bucket list to be able to interview him yeah, and uh, uh, it'd be like me interviewing Paul McCartney. It'd be like, I'm the dad, the dad. Yeah, he's up there. <laughs> yeah, you go into that Chris Farley mode, like, remember when you were in the Beatles? <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> and what was it like to be at this? You know, the big question is, and you guys are professional interviewers, and so you know, the hardest thing to do is to try and come up with a question they haven't been asked before. Yeah, totally. Yeah, the best phrase to hear is, oh, no one's ever asked me that. <laughs> Love when they say that to us. Yeah, because then then they get engaged because most of the time they just go on autopilot because it's the same, same stuff, same thing every time. But if you can de delve deep into something that they haven't talked about before, that'd be great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I've got I've got another one for you. Um, one of one of my favorite ladies of today, um, and that would be Tina Fey. Tina Fey was amazing. What's funny is back when we interviewed her, there was a period of time where Tina Fey and I had similar haircuts and similar glasses, and uh, and a lot of people used to tell me I looked like Tina Fey. I didn't see it, but she did exactly. Uh, Tina Fey, Sarah Palin, Nancy all looked exactly the same <laughs> for about two years. <laughs> So it was a really funny, surreal moment when we got to talk to Tina Fey on the red carpet. And as I recall, Amy, correct me if I'm wrong, Tina Fey was, um, tell the story. She was not. You were, you were interviewing Ken Russell, the right. white shadow on the red <laughs> yes. carpet. And, and he was the, um, no, I think you were interviewing Tina Fey on the red carpet and Ken Russell was right next to us being interviewed. Because at the time, I think he was the president of the television 
um, of the like DGA or something writers yeah. guild. And so you were interviewing Tina Fey and she was lovely, but she also doesn't like to do red carpets. I don't think so. She was looking for her out and she was like, Oh, but you should really be talking to Ken Russell, <laughs> the white shadow. And she kind of pulled him in and screwed it off. Right. But she yeah. was great. She just, I, a lot of people, especially at the Emmys were at such an assault of uh, reporters. I think people try and get out quickly when they can. Yeah. And on the red carpet at the Emmys, we don't ask the typical questions because we're there for the Television Academy Foundation, which is a historical and academic wing of the of the Television Academy. So we always ask them questions more about, you know, who their influences are or who their mentor was. And as I recall, Tina gave a lovely answer about her uh, uh, a theater teacher when she was in school. I've got another name for you that that you may decide and feel free to decide to uh, take the fifth on this one, because I think he did like 450 times about two weeks ago. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think you might. We might know who's coming. <laughs> that would be uh, D uh, Donald Trump. For those of you who don't know who he never mind. Uh, <laughs> Look him up. There's lots about him online. Yeah, I think he was a reality TV star at one time. He was. And that's when we spoke to him. Um, we had, um, you know, you get on these press circuits. And so there, there are these calls that they that you make. And each each reporter gets to ask or, you know, blogger gets to ask two questions. You get to ask a question and a follow up and you get put in a queue. And when it's your turn, you ask your questions. And we were on this list for a while. Every week we were doing The Bachelor and we were doing Celebrity Apprentice and The Apprentice. And uh, so we would get calls with, you know, Brett Michaels and Penn and from Penn and Teller. And one week. It was, I think it was pretty sure it was, um, it was either Brett Michaels and G or Gene Simmons and Donald Trump. Yeah. And um, everybody called him Mr. The only two people in the history of all of the interviews we've done that everybody refers to them as Mr. Or at least used to refer to them as Mr. And I think it's very telling that these are the two people, Bill Cosby and Donald Trump. Everybody <laughs> called Mr. Cosby and Mr. Trump um, because they, where it, it, everybody insisted that they do so. Um, so it was Donald Trump and we got to ask two questions. And um, I think we asked how he would do as, an, as a contestant, how he would have done as a contestant on The Apprentice as a younger man. And, uh, and of course he was like, I would have been great. I'd have, won the, I'd have won the whole what thing, as a matter of fact. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we have since taken the interview off of our website. So there's no confusion that we... Uh, we have any attempt at supporting the man uh, any longer, <laughs> but we we have to admit there was a period where we were giving the apprentice attention. Unfortunately, this next one is uh, one that you've interviewed almost their entire cast, I think, and it was it was a '70s show, and it was based upon a movie that was like that uh, George Lucas did uh, prior to that, and uh, and it was. Um, do you remember the name of the show? Henry Winkler was on it. Oh, Happy Days. Happy Days. The Fonz. What was he? You know, it's interesting because as the character that he played, he was this tough, you know, guy that everybody was scared of and stuff. And but as a human being, I get the sense that he's just the softest, kindest man out there. He's a marshmallow, the most delightful marshmallow. Yeah. You, you want to tell that one now? Yeah, I honestly do think that the rumors are true that he is the nicest man in Hollywood. 
I, I think that um, we actually have had the pleasure of meeting him a few times, but the um, I think the best engagement, he had that reality show a few years ago um, with, it was a, such a strange cast and I'm blanking on who it was. It was George Foreman. Yeah. Henry Winkler. Um, the, he's a ex-football player. I can't think of his name. And then some young guy and they traveled, they went on uh, international trips. Like I think they went to Asia. I think they went to Tokyo or Tokyo, but they were like fish out of water. It was really really fish out of water. Actually a very funny show. So we went to a press event for that. Huh? Carrie Bradshaw. Carrie Bradshaw. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He's not so young Um, no more. No, no, no. Um, And we interviewed him for that and we went to a we went to a press event they showed the first episode and then the cast spoke and it was in a, a you know probably 200 seat theater and so when the when the screening ended the audience started walking out they were going to feed us in another room and henry winkle is walking up the aisle and we ended up standing next to him and so we talked to him and we were like that was you know such an amazing uh, show we really loved it really funny and he's like you know what show is funny and he started telling us about a brand new show that's on was on tv at the time that he started watching and he really loved it and he started promoting somebody else's show to us and we were like you know that is the sign of a really wonderful person who is not self-centered he could have ta- walked us up the aisle and talked about his show and plugged himself and and he spent the time he had with us talking about somebody else's show. And it just made me love him forever. And then at the at the luncheon, he went to every single table and spoke to every single person, including us again, and showed us he had just been to India, I think, and was showing us pictures of the baby elephant that he had met and fell in love with. And, oh, he was just, you just want to hug him any chance, yeah. any chance you get to be around Henry Winkler. It was mm-hmm. a good day. You know, and I'll tell you, the uh, um, there aren't very many people that I can name in Hollywood that you've watched literally grow up from a five, six-year-old kid all the way through his teenage years and his adult years and to even still today. And and I know you, you know who I'm talking about. And the question I have for you is, did you interview Ron Howard before he lost his hair? <laughs> no, I don't know that that's possible. I think that was a very small window. God bless him. Um, no, we I mean, that was another television honors event. And uh, he was being honored. I think it was the Television Hall of Fame, maybe, that he was getting inducted into. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a great red carpet. And is hearkening back to your earlier reference, George Lucas was there um, to, to honor him. And, you know, he was great. He was really nice and polite and we were asking him questions and then we asked him the last question which is what was your favorite tv show as a kid and he all of a sudden looked like um opie he just like was a little (laughs) kid again and he was so excited and he started talking about gumby gumby i loved gumby so much and he just went on about gumby but it's so fun to see sometimes like if you ask someone just the right question to kind of tap into that moment in their life. Like it takes them back. And he, he just lit up and was so much fun. It was great. Now this next, this next one is a late night guy and he's, he's not doing it anymore, but he took over from Johnny Carson 
and uh, he did the uh, did the Tonight Show for years and years. I can't remember how many, but Jay Leno. It was is he as funny in real life as he pretends to be? Yeah, I have to say, I um, I've always been a Letterman girl. Um, so I didn't really have expectations about Leno. I kind of, you know, he, we're from Boston. He's from Boston. So he's always kind of been this, you know, hero. Um, but I didn't really have any expectations one way or the other. And he was real. And it was another television, um, hall of fame event. I think he was getting inducted and, uh, he was great. He was really funny, really charming, very, um, willing to answer questions i think sometimes when you interview people for a living you're not that great at being interviewed but he was having a really fun night and it was a great conversation yeah he was great that's that's really cool now the next guy is a comic that uh, is active today he also um i believe the office he created and and several other things uh, ricky gervasis gervais G ricky you know who i'm talking about the question <laughs> i have for you is did he have a beer in his hand when he was talking to you <laughs> Because every time I see him and doing stand up or like when he opens up for the Oscars or whatever, he's got a beer in his hand. Yeah. yeah. No beer. Red carpet. Red carpet at the Emmys. No beer. Yeah. And uh, I remember, I think, man, I think you did that interview. And I remember you made him laugh. I don't know what you said. That is but true. We we're so proud of you. It was like whenever you can make a comedian laugh. It's like the most fulfilling feeling yeah. when you're doing an interview. And I remember like you said something and he laughed and we were he both said. like, yeah, yeah, I on it. And I don't remember what I asked him, yeah. but I did make him laugh. You're right. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah, the red great. carpets at the Emmys, I have to say, is like a big blackout moment. Like there are very few of them that I actually remember. It goes by so quickly. It's so intense. It's so high energy. And we crash at the end of it. And it's like, who did you talk to? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> There's a few standout moments, but most of them are just like a blur. You know, we only remember them by going back and watching the footage. You know, this is, this is, are you guys having a good time? I'm it's having a great, a great time. <laughs> we could do this forever. Yeah. <laughs> the next one was in a series called Breaking Bad. And it was a series that had was really quite popular. But he, that's not the only thing that Brian has ever done. And he is a tremendous actor. I think he doesn't get the appreciation that he's due. Brian Cranston is who I'm talking yeah. about. He's yeah. one of the best actors of our generation, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Without a doubt. Yeah, we, um, this is actually one of my favorite red carpet moments and one that I do remember. Um, <laughs> It was the year that Breaking Bad um, was the, the season finale of Breaking Bad was airing at the exact same time as the Emmys on the West Coast. <laughs> and it's planning from the Television Academy. <laughs> and it wasn't it wasn't the final season. It was like the I think it was a season before the final season. And so it was at the height of the craze of Breaking Bad. And. We had we have people on the red carpet that are wrangling for us because we're with the television academy. Most people don't get that. So we had someone wrangling. They got Brian Cranston. It was like a huge get. And they were across the carpet and they pointed to me and I I waved and they were like, We're sending Brian over. And he started walking towards me. And right next to me, where you know, we're sardines in this little area to do the interviews. Right next to me was this gorgeous absolutely stunning 
tall, brunette, slender young woman from, I forget which network she was, which channel she was from, but it was, it, it's, you know, fairly sizable network, but you know, we're the TV Academy says Emmys on our mic flag, you know, but anyway, she was stunning and he caught her eye as he was walking over and went right to her. And I was crushed because I knew I wasn't going to get him. I knew he was doing one interview and that was it. And so she started interviewing him and she said to him, you know, this it's an important night for you guys. The finale and Emmys are at the same time. And he said to her, yeah, it's kind of like the sharks and the jets. <laughs> and God bless her. It was not her fault. She was young. She had no idea. Pre-remake. Blank look pre <laughs> on her face. Had no idea what I was. he was talking about. And I lost control. And I was very unprofessional in the moment. And I said, oh, come on. <laughs> really loudly. <laughs> And he looked at me and he said, da -na 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 -na. and I said, da -na 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 -na. <laughs> so I had my moment with Brian Cranston and she went on to finish her interview. And <laughs> the next year I did get him. <laughs> so I, I had my interview with him, but that was, it was one of my favorite of all time moments on the red carpet. The next uh, actor I want to talk about is was in a show that on its final episode was one of the most watched shows of all time. And that would be Alan Alda from MASH. That was another phone interview. And, uh, and like you were saying, we, um, it's really hard, especially on those group call interviews to come up with a question that is somebody else isn't going to ask. You never know how late in the call you're going to get. So you have to have, make sure you have enough questions so that if everybody's already asked your, your other questions, you have something that you can still ask. And, um, and we reached real deep on that one. And we decided to ask him about science because he is obsessed with science. It's his hobby. And we asked him about, I feel like we asked him about some like, some like NASA related thing that was going on. And um, he loved it. He went on, he just <laughs> dove right into it and talked about science. I'm sure all the other bloggers were really mad at us because they wanted to talk about whatever show he was guest starring on, like <laughs> The Blacklist or something. And, um, and he got completely distracted and talked about science instead. And they were probably like, I can't use this. <laughs> you know? It was great. So he liked us because we asked him about something. We also, he we also did the archive interview with uh, his castmate, Jamie Farr. Oh, cool. Which was really, really fun to be at Jamie's Far Jamie Farr's house at Christmas time. He sat in front of his tree in front of his Christmas tree. And he was he was absolutely delightful. And that lovely crimson, you know, sweater, the bulky sweater. He was just yeah. so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I got I to gotta tell you, um, you've interviewed the guy that is famous for um, the seven degrees of 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 this particular actor uh, which is i guess the premise is and you can correct me if i'm wrong but the premise is that if you go far enough that you can find seven connections to this actor and everybody on the planet can do this is am i right in that is that how it goes yeah it's six six degrees we like to say we're zero degrees from kevin bacon because oh, on the red carpet um <laughs> that was like our very 
first Emmys red carpet. And oh, wow. we had been doing interviews for like five months maybe yeah. and, and had done had never done anything that big and had really only done a handful of red carpet interviews at that point mm -hmm. um and uh I can't remember what he was there for I can't remember if he was there with Kira Sedgwick because she was nominated or I think he, maybe he was just there with Kira for the yeah. club um and I, I do not remember what we talked to him about I just remember how excited everybody was around us and but especially like the girls our age who we were working with and who were nearby everybody was just like it's because at the time there were very few movie stars on the red carpet yeah. now it, it used to be we we could always tell when it was the very end of the red carpet because it would just be this constant stream of people and then there'd be this okay everybody go inside the show is going to start so all the uh, news outlets would pack up we would always wait because there was always this big cheer from the audience that were in the bleachers and then the movie star would walk around the corner Gwyneth <laughs> Paltrow um Al Pacino but there was there was one and that year Kevin Bacon was the one um and now it's every third person is a movie star Who's I, I, in case you don't rec realize this, there was a time in television history when television was looked down upon by actual quote unquote movie stars and they would not make that transition because they felt it was kind of beneath them to be on TV. Am I, you're nodding your head. Am I right in that? Absolutely. 100%. I mean, basically since the creation of television, Everybody, TV star, movie stars, anybody in the, I worked in films and everybody in the film industry looked down at TV and I was always the one like, I, I guess it's cool working in movies. I, I like TV. Um, and now all of a sudden with, you know, with, with uh, these limited series and with just the quantity, HBO really changed that. Mm -hmm. um, now it's like everybody wants to do TV, you know? um so it's great i mean i we watch we used to go to movies every weekend and now now we're not going still not going to theaters because of covid but we maybe watch a movie a month but i watch you know i have like seven tv shows going at once <laughs> <You know? laughs> almost, almost literally <laughs> since, since you guys have been into um into the industry for a long time uh i would really like your opinion on what's going to happen with movies now that streaming is so prevalent yeah it's interesting i mean i was just reading today i forget which movie chain it was regal cinemas or something that um they had a good first quarter this year but they are predicting that it's going to basically remain at like covid level movie attended they're saying for two years it's going to remain at like covid level movie attendance I don't know that they're ever going to come back from it. Yeah, um, I don't know if they'll recover. It's so expensive to go to a movie. It's really hard to, you know, find a movie, I think, that makes me want to go out to a theater and see something. And unless it's like a big action movie, um, like I still like to see, you know, a, a big effects movie on a big screen with a huge sound system and you can see all the detail. Everything else, like, you know, I got a, what, 42 inch or 50 inch, whatever it is, TV in the living room that has great sound. Mm -hmm. I can make my own popcorn. I don't have to park. And I just, I don't see it ever bouncing back. And like our nephews and niece, they never go to the movies. They're, you know, teenagers. They don't, 
that's just not their experience. It's not yeah. like it was. So I don't know. I don't know that movie theaters are going to be the wave of the future, you know. Yeah. A good friend of mine and I got together and we had dinner and we decided to go to a movie. And it, and uh, I hadn't been to a movie, quite literally, I haven't been to a movie in 10 years. Um, because I hate to be the, you know, because I'm single. And I hate to be the single guy that has the popcorn and the pop walking down the aisle. And people are looking at you going, oh, that poor man, he doesn't have any friends. Um, it, you know, so so I, I thought that uh, uh, we would go to a movie. And so we went to see uh, Top Gun. And I figured, well, you know, it's a, it's that's a, if I'm going to go to a movie, that's the kind of movie I'm going to go to. Right. We were it was a Thursday night, seven o'clock performance, and we were the only ones in the theater. Yeah. So, you know, and it's, it's just I think I think times they be a change in and now they're releasing top good movies first run to streaming services and stuff like that. And they're not even going to the theaters. Yeah, when I worked at Warner Brothers, like opening weekends for Batman movies and Harry Potter movies and things like that were like $80 million weekends, 70, whatever they were, $50 million weekends. I can't even really remember. But like I saw the other day, there was the big movie that opened and it was like $17 million at the box office. And it was like, oh, people would have been fired. Large mass groups of people would have, heads would have rolled if that was like the big news opening weekend for a tentpole movie in the nineties, you know, so different. It has changed so much. You know, I'm looking at this list of, wow, Claire Danes. She's, <laughs> she has been nominated for and won not as many as, uh, as um, her name escapes me real quick, but, but yes. Yeah. But uh, Claire Danes has, has had quite a movie career herself. Yeah, she had just won um, for Temple Grandin for a, a miniseries um, at the Emmys. And um, and so it was the, the whole uh, group and including the, the real Temple Grandin was there on stage with um, with Claire and the producers. Um, so, yeah, we got to ask, you know, uh, at the Emmys, um, there after you win, you come back to this press room and the press room is probably 200 reporters, 150 reporters from around the world and people can ask questions. So it's this like really high energy, big cavernous room and all the, you know, the entire cast of Game of Thrones will come back if the show wins or the entire cast of Veep. And so she was there. I remember her there for Temple Grand. And I don't think we ever, I don't think she... I don't know that Homeland ever won while we I think were. we did um again the Emmys are such a blur. I think we did uh Emmys early on with her early on in the Homeland run a red carpet interview with her. I always just remember that every time I see her I think I just wish I could wear that Calvin Klein dress and look like yeah, that. She's, she's always <laughs> like the, she's most the one person on the carpet when she's always there. There. and it's simple it's not like super girly or super glitz or whatever it's always like a very simple dress and it just fits her perfectly and she sweeps by and looks gorgeous. She's <laughs> always she's my number one fashion icon on the red carpet. Yeah. Because I tell you, looking over these lists of people, and it's it really is like a who's who. And <laughs> Julia uh, Louise Dreyfus and uh, Danny DeVito and Cindy Williams and and Penny Marshall, uh, who of course became a, a fabulous director later on after after the after 
her and Cindy work together. Matt LeBlanc, is he a is he kind of a funny guy like he th- seems to be? <laughs> I remember him being really nice. Like I think we all kind of expected him to be um, aloof, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and he wasn't. He was really uh, he was just really like a normal guy, pretty down to there. earth, as I recall. Yeah, yeah. he was there for um, the the. HBO show, I mean, Showtime show episodes, which was a great show if you've never seen it, where he plays a, a version of himself. It's kind of like Curb Your Enthusiasm. And um, and so he plays this on the show. He plays Matt LeBlanc, um, who's kind of reviving his career. And uh, and he's a real soul on the show. But and the, um, in real life, he was really, really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Penny Marshall, Cindy Williams thing was actually the greatest day. One, well, yeah, hands down, Dr. Jane Goodall, we've ever number two greatest day of our lives because we got to interview them together. Um, oh, that would be awesome. So yeah. it was at, at Penny Marshall's house. Yeah. Oh, wow. That um, cool. So I got to ask you when you, t- when you talk to these people who are in iconic series like an Alan Alda or a Matt LeBlanc or, or Ted Danson with cheers or, or some of these other folks that have life changing or, or even Bob Cranston, they had life changing series series that's not even a word, but <laughs> life changes series that, that does it change them as people? Because some of these guys went from Matt LeBlanc was poor and then he was making a million dollars an episode. Does it change them? That's that's hard for us to say because we didn't know them before, right? But uh, good point. Good point. But um, but I think I think I have two observances in general from celebrities. One is that the majority of them are really, really lovely, lovely people. Every once in a while, you get a diva, but for the most part, they're really lovely. And two is they really do have something like an indescribable essence that you, there's no way to pinpoint what it is, but it's like, I get it. I get why that person is, is so talented and so famous and such a big celebrity. Like there's just some it factor. And there literally is such a thing as a person having a sparkle in their eye, (laughs) which sounds really weird, but we've seen it with, like Julia Louis Dreyfus and um, people, there are people like that, that there's, you, you actually can physically see this presence that is beyond the, the average human being. It's, it's, it's an amazing thing that you guys, that you guys are doing. And I really, I, it really is a lot of fun for me to talk to you about this, but, but Holly promised me, or I promised Holly that we would talk about the development of the Pastanicious project and how you guys put it all together. Cause it was a, it's a huge undertaking to do that. By the way, we're talking with uh, Nancy and a- Amy Harrington, and they have put together the Pastanistas project from 19 from 16 going forward it's designed to help women 
And this this year was designed to help women of color, women with disabilities. You know, I found out some horrible things during the interviews I did with some of the folks that we had on. Miss um, Luna was saying that, you know, people with disabilities can get paid as little as 22 cents an hour. Which, which I'm hoping that we can shed some light on that. And that's what you're working to do with that program. But there's also a great big production. And if somebody wants to do something like what you're doing, first of all, would you tell them to rethink it? Don't do this. This Run is too hard. <laughs> I'd turn back if I were you. No, it's totally worth doing. How much work is it? How long does it take? How many people does it take? All that kind of thing. Because I'm I'm thinking about doing something called Positive Talk Live, mm-hmm. um, and down down the road. But uh, and but so go ahead, talk me out of it, please. <laughs> well, um, we this this particular year we took about eight months to plan it. We started well, even probably sooner. Frankly, we probably started the end of last year talking about it. But in earnest, we started planning it in January or February of this year. Um, And the last, I would say, two and a half, three months, we barely did anything else. (laughs) We do have clients, we do have other work, but we barely did anything else but the summit. Um, It is an extensive amount of work. And Amy and I do I would say this year, probably 85% of it ourselves. Um, We do have some interns that help us out and we do have a very supportive group of women. Um, Dr. Melissa Bird, who you interviewed on your show was- She's marvelous. She's fantastic. And she was a crucial member of the team this year. She really helped us um, find a lot of the speakers and- and just was our cheerleader. She, we had a weekly call and when we were down, she would cheer us up and cheer us on. And, uh, but it is a lot of work, you know, I mean, just the logistics of, we had over 50 women that were speaking. So just the logistics of keeping in touch with all of them and scheduling it and figuring out who can do what, when, because of course it was global. So, you know, we were like, well, if it's, if it's two o'clock in the afternoon here, it's three o'clock in the mornings there and it's midnight here and how do, you know, <laughs> so it was kind of crazy logistically. We used an incredible platform called Hopin um, that made it a lot easier this year. In the past, um, we used a different website the first year and last year we just did it on our own website and sort of linked out to YouTube. Um, but uh, this platform was amazing. Um, it makes it a lot easier to have everything centralized. Um, what else do you need to know? What else you want to hear? I just <laughs> want to hop in and say, I think you, no pun intended, I want to jump in and say, I definitely think you should do it. And we're yes. here to support you all in whatever way we can. Yes. So. Absolutely. Well, you guys have been, you guys, since we've met, you've been fabulous uh, um, um, encouragers of the show. And I, I just really want to thank you for, for doing all that you're doing because you're helping, you know, you're really working to help people. And it's got to feel good to be able to do that. And again, go to thepastanistasproject.com. And you, if you wanted me to spell that, forget it. I'll have them do it if they want to. Can, can you can you spell that for them? Yeah, it's thepassionistasproject.com. I wish I could say it that well. You did, you did really well today, Kevin. I totally am I'm impressed. Um, so it's passionista is passion, the word passion with I-S-T-A-S on the end of it. Passionistas Project the passionistasproject.com. So. 
And you've also got something that I'm intrigued about, and it is called the Pastanistas Project Pack. What is that? Oh, so that is Project Pack sort of came out of our interviews. And when we started realizing that these women all had amazing products to sell. And this is an interesting statistic that I think you'll, you'll like to hear, Kevin, or you hope you won't like to hear, but you'll be interested by it, is that only 2% of all venture capital money goes to women-owned businesses. I'm sorry, say that again. Only 2% of all venture capital money goes to women-owned businesses. That's a crime. I mean, you're 50% of the population and you get 2%, the men get 98 Yeah, and women-owned businesses are growing at a 27% faster rate than uh, men, male-owned businesses. And they only, and women-owned businesses only get like 11% of SBA loans. Mm -hmm. So they're wildly underfunded. Yeah. So we decided that we would use our little corner of the universe to promote women-owned businesses. So the Passionistas Project Pack is a subscription box. So you sign up once and then every quarter you get a new box in the mail and it's filled with products exclusively by women-owned businesses. And it's anything from t-shirts to jewelry to food with this this month we have a mixology pack which is different uh, drink mixes from margaritas and cosmos and lemon sours and so it's always really unique always really interesting items and um and on top of the products we do an interview with every woman that owns the business. So you not only get to experience the product, you get to understand her journey, why she's doing what she's doing, what her passions are. So you really get to know the woman behind the product. So we're trying to build a micro economy of women-owned businesses so that the women who buy this pack will go back and buy the products from the women again. That is, that is a phenomenal idea. Um, the, the, who, who, whose idea was that sitting at the Starbucks? That was our friend Sashi Chandran, who yep. is one of the greatest modern business women um, out there. So Sashi was one of our second or third interviews for the podcast, and she is the founder of a company called Tea Drops, and she um, has this patented um, product. So it's pressed tea. It's it's loose leaf tea. There's no tea bag, and they're pressed into shapes like little flowers, little little hearts. And um, it's really high quality tea. You drop it in hot water and it dissolves and it makes you a great cup of tea. Um, and she has this patented, um, you know, patent for the, the tea drops. And she, we are, interviewed her early on and we asked her to be on our, um, our advisory board as we were building the company. And we went to meet with her one day and we said, you know, we're thinking of starting a store on our website, which we also have where we sell some of these products. Um, And she said, you know what you really should do? You should do a subscription box. And we were like, with with almost everything we've ever done, either we've had the idea or someone has suggested something for us to do. And we're like, I don't know how to do that. And so we Google it and um, we figure out how to do it. So we Googled what a subscription box was because we didn't even know that. And then we found the subscription box school online that had a checklist of all the things you needed to do to start a subscription box. And so we started one. (laughs) 
Well, you know, I got to tell you, you guys, and I was looking at your sponsor list. By the way, that's a, that's a wonderful idea, and it, it's really good for everybody. And I really want to do um, sponsorships and things that are that benefit everybody mm-hmm. um, involved. And you guys do that, but and you've got a lot of sponsors. Where do you have the time? You're spending all this time doing this. You've got your own lives to live. You've got. Uh, when do you have time to go solicit sponsorships? That is where Dr. Melissa Bird came in this year, we have to say. she Missy signed on last year. She was in the summit last year. She really enjoyed it. She thought it was a great idea. So she reached out to us and said, how can I help? We get on the phone. She said, I'll ask anybody for money. <laughs> she said, we said, great, because we hate doing that. And she started making calls, and she she was responsible for those sponsors. I love people that can say, um, I, I don't have a problem asking for money. I'm like groveling, like, I don't know. Can you do, what do you think? Can you, like, you know, like, I don't know. Help me out a little. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. You know, that kind of thing. So, by the way, we've just got about uh, four minutes left in the show. Mm-hmm. And I want each of you to have a moment alone with my audience, with the people that are listening today, for you to tell them anything it is that you would like them to know about you, about life, about anything that's on your heart, what's on your mind. So Amy, would you like to go first? Sure. Um, Hello, listener. Um, I would like to say that really the core of everything we're doing with the Passionistas Project is about building community. And um, we have personally benefited from the core a group of people that are part of our little world um, and all are welcome. We, um, this year we had non-binary people, transgender people, uh, bisexual people, LGBTQ, people with disabilities, black people, AAPI people. I mean, any any group is, is welcome. And I know it's hard sometimes to feel like there's a safe place in the world where you belong, um, but we want you to know that if you're if you're looking for like-minded people who want to do positive things in the world, um, our door and virtual social media door and our doors are always open to anybody who wants to be a part of Passionistas community. Yeah. Nancy? She said, what else can I add to that? <laughs> you know what? I actually, if I, since I can, you said I can say anything, I'd actually like to go completely off topic because this has been the thing that's been weighing on me the last few days. I would love to just send thoughts and prayers down to all the people in Florida. I, I have been glued to the television and my computer. I have a friend in Fort Myers Beach, which was the first place where the hurricane hit land and it's just devastating down there. And I am so saddened and by that specific event and by the, the world's climate crisis. And, you know, we got We got to fix this people. So a lot of our science, uh, a lot of our passionistas are science, climate scientists. We have a great panel. You can go back and watch the replay. If you came to the summit of our um, power of resilience panel, but I'm just really saddened by what's happening to our our world and our climate. And I'm devastated for all those people in Florida that lost their homes and their businesses this week. And that's all. And in Puerto Rico and, and yeah, Cuba and now the people hitting getting hit in South Carolina. So yeah. 
You know, I've been around for a couple of years and I've seen footage of a lot of hurricanes. I don't recall ever seeing, and they showed this on CNN, they were flying by and there were on the, on the beach, there were homes and there were hotels and there were multi-story buildings. The only thing that was left was the platform that they had been built on. Everything else was gone. Yeah, as twigs. It was just like yeah, it looks like a tornado aftermath, but it's a hurricane. I've never seen anything like it. It's and in the in the huge swath that it took, I just hope that uh, that they that people are able to get uh, rescued and and that the loss of life won't be so horrific. And and to your other point about you know it doesn't matter who you are, we want to support you. And I look forward to the day when we can all look at one another and say, you know, we are all one. And we are all responsible for each other and we care for each other. And I don't care what you look like. I don't care who you love. I don't care what you do. We want to make sure everybody's healthy, happy, and can lead the best lives possible. That's that's my hope. That's yeah. beautiful. And we agree. There's nothing we would like more than to not have to be activists. But you know what? <laughs> well, people like you are the ones that are getting it started so that we can get down the road. And Nathan's going to turn us off if I don't say goodbye soon. So I want to thank uh, Nancy and Amy Harrington for being here. And ladies, thank you. Go to PastanesiaProject.com and find out all the information about them. And Nathan, thank you very much. And have a great day, everybody, and we'll see you on Monday. <laughs>